Today's very special Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky, and they will donate $50 to the Providence Animal Center and Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. Big show today. Enormous show. Dave Hartley from the War on Drugs and Nightlands and noted Sixers fan will join us for the second half of the pod. We'll, of course, discuss discuss the Woj and Ramona Shelbourne report on Jimmy Butler and his temper tantrum and last night's win over the Mavericks. Before we get started, I want to thank the Paul Green Rock Academy for having me yesterday at Fergie's. I played a couple of songs with the kids. The kids are awesomely talented. They do that punk rock brunch the first Saturday of every month at Fergie's, and it's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of punk rock. They played for like 90 minutes. It was awesome. So thank you guys for, for having me. And thank you uh, to Eric and Jason and David and Pat and everyone who showed up uh, to see me play. It was a lot of fun. And also, Fly the Process 4. We're going to have to cut off uh, registrations within the next few weeks, I would guess. Um, so if you want to come to Minnesota with us, it only costs 150 bucks to reserve your spot. It's going to be an awesome trip. Uh, reunite the core for Joel, TJ, uh, Rocco, and Dario, and uh, four-star hotel. Uh, you get tickets to the game, a picture on the court afterwards, free breakfast every day, free happy hour every day, and we're uh, we're planning some fun stuff too. The awesome t-shirt, just 150 bucks to reserve your spot. Go to rightstorickysanchez.com for more details. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is well known as the biggest, most dedicated, longest Nick Foles fan, longest term Nick Foles fan in America. Mm. That is Mike Levin. Hey, Mike. I just, I just believe in him. I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know that the Bears can stop Kaepernick. I don't know that they can stop Foles. I think <laughs> together. <laughs> You just got to feel pretty confident. Really confident. Um, so uh, big show, obviously, today. We we did not emergency podcast after the Woj Report, so we'll have the uh, Butler thing to talk about. I would like to uh, open up with a statement about Luka Doncic, if I may. Um, I really wish he played well just in this game so we didn't have to do this, but <laughs> please go for it. All I ask for is, is two or three minutes here. Now, what I said, uh, and it is published on the Internet, it's very clear what I said, is that he is too fat and slow to be an elite primary initiator from the wing because he can't get by anybody. That's what I said. I watched last night as I saw, for the first time, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Landry Shamit share something in common aside from just being Sixers, and that is that Luka Doncic could not get by any of them on the wing. Let me explain something. Uh, to anybody listening. Most basketball media, and even basketball fans on the internet, are out of shape white people who do not watch as much, as much basketball as they say that they watch. 
And they see a lot of highlights of Luka Doncic hitting step-back threes and tough fadeaway shots. And it is true that he is a much better three-point shooter than I uh, anticipated. And it's also true that if he keeps hitting those shots, he will be wonderful. But the reason that these people, media and people, tend to fetishize over players like Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic and Mark Gasol is because they see out-of-shape people with white skin succeeding at a sport that they wish they could succeed at. And by glorifying everything that they do, even the things that aren't even that good, they are glorifying themselves. Um, I think it is sad that everyone has uh, put Luka Doncic in the unfair position of saying that he is much better than he actually is. And anyone who over the last couple of months has said that they would rather have Luka Doncic than Ben Simmons is out of their fucking mind. Um, He will be a nice player, obviously, but I will repeat again, he is too slow to be a primary wing initiator because he can't get by anybody. Thank you. That is my statement on Luka Doncic. All right. Let's get that (laughs) in your system. All right. Um, it was so. Um, I was at the game last night, and uh, I want to start with the Mavs. We'll start with the game last night, and then we'll do Jimmy Butler. Is that cool? Before yeah. we bring Dave on, all these wins—that's um, that's the, the big yeah. story—is the Sixers just keep winning games. The uh, and everybody's excited about it. Yeah, that's the huge story. Woj, Woj had eight hundred words today on six, Sixers twenty-six and fourteen. Nobody can believe it. Um, the uh, middle, I think, or end of second quarter, I looked at Cousin Alec and I said, so when in the fourth quarter does this get down to a four-point lead? And he laughed and he was like, that's not going to happen. And I was like, okay, whatever. Every time. And uh, it was, you realize how, like, n- okay, there's the normal thin part that we've, we've mentioned over and over and over again. But when you think about the number, especially with Butler and Chandler out, the number of roster spots dedicated to people who aren't playing. Um, Go through and them. And when you, what's that? Go through them. Well, so um, Markel Fultz, mm-hmm. obviously, um, uh, uh, allergy uh, guy. Um, Z- Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith, who was there last night, looked great. Huge. Um, uh, Zaire Smith, Markel Fultz, uh, Wilson Chandler, Jimmy Butler. Does Justin Patton get a roster spot? Definitely. I assume. Yep. Um, so that's five guys that are currently getting roster spots. And am I forgetting one, I well, feel like? Amir doesn't play anymore. Oh, yeah. Six. So six roster spots. And then uh, unfulfilled roster spot. Yeah. Uh, who has not gotten any minutes yet. So seven roster spots that are not being used. So you see the first two possessions of the game, and um, Wes Matthews, like, just obliterated Furkan twice. And the guy next to me screams, get him out of there. And I just like, I looked at him and I go, there's nobody else to put in. (laughs) There's literally nobody else. Um, So uh, I'm, you know, they did blow that lead at the end, but when they're as thin as they were last night, I'm really not surprised that that happened eventually. I was glad they got out of there with a win. Yeah. I mean, that's just going to keep happening. They're just going to run out of steam because they run out of players. Um, Obviously, we can talk about the Jonah Bolden experience, which has been steadily building into a crescendo where he is closing in on becoming my favorite player simply because we need him so badly Um, but yeah I mean there's just limitations on what they can do I 
you know, we can let's talk about the Mavs game. But I have some theories about that last roster spot. Okay. Um, well, the, the game itself, I thought it was a. Um, I don't know if it was the best Simmons game of the year, but it was like close to it. If it wasn't, I thought. Just to my eye, I thought they needed him last night. The, I mean, when they, they only have three playable players, uh, three and a half, I, of course they need him. But, uh, and I don't know if, you know, he, Doncic has been brought up like with Ben for some reason a lot. I don't, I don't know why. Um, I don't know if he took that personally or something, but I thought he was particularly good. Did shoot a couple of jumpers, one kind of ugly. Um, but even Brett talking afterwards about, you know, being happy that he's doing it and so on and so forth. But I thought it was a particularly good Ben game. And I thought it was a particularly like um, uh, so-so Embiid game. Like he did look tired or and just came back off the West Coast, had played 37, I think, against the Clippers, 37 against the Suns. I don't know. But it wasn't a, like a particularly great Embiid game. And I was glad that Simmons came through the way he did. Yeah, it's nice when I almost like it more when Embiid doesn't play well and they win. Or not even about to play well. He still had 25 points on 17 shots, yeah. 12 boards, five assists. Like I thought, I thought yeah. it was actually it was a Embiid kind of like fits in game. Yeah. Uh, the way the way Dallas was covering him and, and and sending double teams, I started keeping track, but I only really counted, I think, in terms of like deep post plays, four. Uh, for him, that is by my rough, rough estimation. Um, and only one time did he did he see that double team and decide, I'm gonna attack this. And he, and he it was with uh, DeAndre was covering him, and, and somebody came mm-hmm. over to double, and he just went baseline and was just too fast for DeAndre, and and I think it was a dunk. Um, well, he made a an excellent pass out of a double team to yeah. Corkmaz in the fourth, um, like one of those passes that you. It's a very difficult pass to make. It's sort of like a Duncan-esque pass to make, but he made it, and uh, it was a it was a, a great pass and yeah. important basket. Another big big bucket for Corkmas. You wish he shot better from three, but he hits the ones when they count. I guess yeah. is that the narrative we're going to build around him? He's just clutch. He's just clutch. That's fine. He had a really nice uh, assist to uh, Embiid. I think that was in the fourth as well, um, where he drove and sort of wrapped had it around the, like. Yeah, yeah, like a Dr. J-esque holding the ball up and away from everybody else and then yeah. wrapping around passing. It was a, a good game for me, too. Did you, are you starting to see a little more Corkmaz athleticism? Yes, I would agree. Yes. I, I still, he, it's not like Wes Matthews is like LeBron or something. Um, to get bullied by Wes Matthews is, it's like. But he's, he kind of, Wes Matthews has that like Andre Miller type, like take a, take a guy covering you in the post and just get where you want and hit that mid-range. So I think he's just got... Wes Matthews is a huge ass. Just like tremendous ass. Furkan can hang with that ass. Few people can. Um, but yeah, I, I am seeing that, that like hold the ball up in the air, uh, jump man, gliding dunk. It's starting to... He's, he's getting definitely more confident. Again, would really like for him to hit a couple more threes. Yeah. Especially for when that's like his key benefit out there. Yes, <laughs> but I the thing I like about his game and that is that he's seeing is that he's he's not a zero everywhere else. He's not just a standstill three point shooter because he can create a little bit. He can uh, attack a closeout and and keep his head up and look for look for guys. Um, but I would like the threes to go in, please. That'd be nice. 
and the the Bolden thing, like, look, he. Oh, is, here we go. Let me warm up. Let me warm up for this. This okay. is the this is the big part he of the is, podcast. Yes, uh, somebody a, I forget who it was, whether it was on TV or whatever it was, was like, he can be the stretch four that they need. And I'm like, I'm thinking stretch four, and I look, he's shooting 14 percent from three. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> He he appears as if he could be that, but his benefit is truly like a, almost like being defensively what you would have wished Rashawn Holmes would be. Yeah. In that, like he is, Rashawn Holmes is, gets obliterated on switches and pick and rolls and those sorts of things. Um, obviously a good shot blocker in that, only that, but Bolden is better at that, seems to have a better uh, a little more patient view on how to navigate those things and does seem better in that in that place. And as a defensive presence and an athlete, that is where he's been really good. Yeah, I, I think I think he's helped everywhere. Obviously, the jumper is total trash. Even the foul shots, you're just like, oh, God, <laughs> it's really hard to watch. Uh, but And defensively, he's much faster than Rashawn is laterally. Uh, mm-hmm. He kind of he moves like a... I keep. I was trying to think of the name. What's the 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 guys that, that in Mario Party or Mario? Yeah, it's be Mario Party that you uh, that you like step that you jump on. There's I don't know. I was a Genesis guy, not a Super Nintendo they, guy. Ah, uh, fuck. Yeah. People Sorry. tweeted me. Um, he kind of like waddles when he like attacks closeouts because he's and he just like moves around. But he, but he's fast. It's just kind of like in the same way that JJ runs in the skittish way. He runs in kind of like a almost clumsy like he's about to fall down but stays yeah stays reasonably under control that's why he does foul so much um but it's just because he 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 really just rolls to the rim like he rolls to the rim constantly and just having a guy that does that makes it so much easier it's a safety valve for for ben and joe it uh we you know JJ I think JJ found him one time or TJ found him one time on like rising up for a jump shot and then just saw Jonah like right next to the basket for a dunk. Yep. It's those kinds of things make just make it so much easier. And also uh offensive rebounds. He like Embiid is n- when he's down there he's focused on it, but like because he's not all the time, Jonah really does attack offensive offensive glass. That's like his role in, in the same way that Rashawn was. But I I think he can hang more than Rashawn. Um he's Sets good screens where he fouls. It's, it's. I mean, like he's great. Like he's exactly what the team needed. I wish he could shoot, but like, it's showing. Just I think he's also like set the tone in terms of cutting, um, which is always something I look for. I look for like a cutting set leader. The tone. I think so. I think I think I, I saw some really nice cuts from Shamit yesterday. Um, I, Simmons had a couple of good cuts. Corkmas had one, uh, and I think Jonah really do like starting that and making that part of the team identity. Like it opens things up because when he's cutting down there, someone has to account for that. If his guy's not on him, that opens up, and you can start swinging the ball. The ball starts to move. Everybody's happy. Brett's happy. Um, I thought they passed the ball really well yesterday as a team, and I, I they had 31 assists to 39 made buckets, and that's you know. That's great. Like this is, they need that kind of. I, I, it's weird because he's he's another non-shooter, but I think because of how hard he cuts and how active he is on the glass, he really opens a lot of things up for everybody else. 
Well, <clears throat> it looks like Dave is going to end up just joining us for the Jimmy Butler discussion. So we're, he's, he's going to get thrown right in the deep end. Great. Um, but Great. Before we get there, let's talk about our uh, sponsor, Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Look, if you buy one of these amazing dog beds, the best there are, the best for your dogs, um, right now at bigbarker.com slash Ricky, they're going to donate $50 to the Providence Animal Center. Um, they've already donated over $1,000 since they started that to the Providence Animal Center, which is awesome. Had two new process pups this week, both great looking dogs, Georgia from Wilmington, Delaware, an 11 week old Schnauzer Shih Tzu mix, and Abraham, um, who is eight years old, Black Lab. They're good names, dogs. Bit, right? Yeah, great names, Georgia and Abraham. Um, you can see them at writesrickysanchez.com slash process pups. These, you can see in the pictures just how supportive and proper these mattresses are. They're, they're real beds that are going to support your dogs as they get older and uh, their joints get, you know, uh, arthritic as joints are want to do as they are in humans and in dogs. This bed will make them feel better. They are engineered by experts to keep dogs youthful for longer and brings older dogs back to their best. And when you uh, people say like, oh, you know, this bed, it's so expensive, whatever. It's a 10 year warranty on the Big Barker. So, I mean, think about it like that. You know, the foam won't flatten or they'll replace it for free. And think about the health and happiness of your dog and how much um, that is worth in terms of not only dollars like in terms of their happiness, but in terms of like, you know, vet bills and things like that. It is legitimately the very best dog bed out there that you can buy. And uh, our dogs are important to us, so they deserve the best. A one-year at-home trial for the Big Barker Dog Bed. Try it for a, full, for a full year for any reason. You and your dog don't love it. They will pay the UPS to bring it back to them for a full refund. It is handmade in the United States of America as well. Uh, and a local company, Delaware Valley Company, um, based in King of Prussia. And Eric from Big Barker lives right there in Philly. Huge Sixers fan. Mm-hmm. Big Barker Dog Beds. Whoa, whoa. All right. Um, hmm. Uh, well, so before we get to uh, the Butler thing, what, do you want to do? You want to give your theory for the final roster spot? Because it, I, I, I feel like we can just like enter the Butler thing as soon as Dave signs on, which is like in three minutes anyway. Okay. Um, I I wonder because you remember how much they wanted Shake Milton. The the report afterwards that like the front office was cheering and like chanting his name when they when he was when he fell to whatever 54 or whatever it was you think they're just going to give him the roster spot yeah i think okay. uh i wonder if the two-way was like hey we'll do a two-way for the first half of the season you'll be in delaware we'll be back and if we needed it you know we're, we're waiting on this you know whatever trade it was uh that we that we might be making we'll keep we'll keep a spot open um but then it'll be open for you and we'll get We'll, we'll bump you to that. I wonder if that's a relationship type thing um, that, they, that they've already agreed upon, and that's why they haven't done anything yet. And then they uh, sign somebody possible. else to a two-way. Yeah, that, I mean, that's possible. I guess they could, and that way they can, while they have him, well, but you know, he doesn't need to be on a, t- a two-way to go play in Delaware, doesn't it? Uh, here, let me, can, I, can I play devil's advocate here? Sure, like, yeah. Why wouldn't they just put, give him the roster spot and use the two-way for somebody else? Well, because at the time they didn't have the roster spot. It was we need uh, to keep Bayless around, right? To, uh, for to to make salaries match and stuff. Hmm. And I wonder if like they've they just been negotiating wasted. something. 
Yeah, maybe best. that's possible. And and did the the ten day ten day season did that start yesterday or did that start I, I today? I think we're I think we're like in it at some point. Yeah, it's gen, yeah. It's either, it was either yesterday or today. Yeah, and the, so, last, and the last day for two ways is like in the next week or two. Given given you know how thin they are, like like that. Well, but I guess ten day season doesn't matter if they use that roster spot on Shake Milton though. Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I think I could also see them, you know. Attacking the buyout market again, um, but I know that they're you know relationship guys. The the vestiges of relationship guy is still still linger. Um, well, and, and I do and like buyout I, market. Yes, the buyout buyout market. I mean, buyout market probably doesn't happen for another. It doesn't happen until after the trade deadline anyway, and I think that's February seventh this year. So um, so we're a month away from that. It's just I don't know what kind of upper respiratory infection uh, both. Wilson Chandler and and Jimmy Butler have, but if it if it's going to last past Tuesday, they're um, boy. Like in addition to them being thin and making it hard to win games, they just the minutes again. I think Ben played thirty eight last night, thirty six, and Embiid thirty six, and Embiid probably played thir- like thirty five or thirty six, just under thirty five, um, yeah. Right, and then versus Phoenix, I think it was like a similar situation, and obviously right. versus the Clippers, it was a similar situation, and just like I don't know, it, it's not the end of the world, but um, but you know, not having enough players to uh, with that, to not have the team fall apart while they're out there is is making these guys play a little bit more than I wish they were. Yeah, um, I agree, and I think that especially Embiid in terms of how he's going to look at the end of the year, I have a little more confidence that Ben. Just how he's built physically can withstand that a little bit better, but but Embiid, I'm not confident about. Yeah. It. And even like you, you mentioned on previous pods, even guys like JJ, you know, who um, he's 35 years old, 34 years old, he's going to be feeling that at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, I, those are all good points. I was still stuck on the Shake conversation. I will say, okay. <laughs> Shake looks better and looks more confident. Uh, he's been putting up numbers in in Delaware, and. Uh, he, you know, he attacked a closeout and finished at the rim and got fouled. I think he got fouled um, yesterday. And the, it, the, his release on his three seems to be getting quicker and more confident. Yeah, the, uh, the one thing about Milton, Mike, that, you're, uh, that I think people wanted him on the court like quickly, given like what his makeup was supposed to be. But that injury and his, like, the, the fact that they don't practice very much um, you know, there are still moments where he's, you can almost, you know how sometimes you watch a guy, you can almost see him thinking, you can see him thinking, where am I supposed to go when this happens? Where am I supposed to go when that happens? And I just think him being around the team and them integrating him a little bit slowly. And then also him getting the reps in Delaware is, is getting him up to speed to when they throw him out there, he's not going to be deer in headlights. Like I, I, I know people want him out there, and I'm glad he's getting more minutes, but I'm, I'm sort of glad it's happening slowly. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'd rather shake play, uh, Jonah become the backup five once uh, Simmons, uh, or once uh, Butler and Chandler are back, and Muscala not. So let's welcome our special guest. Now, Dave, I, I didn't ask your permission to th- for this, but because Dave Hartley of War on Drugs and Nightlands, uh, because Andrew Underberger will not be on the pod this week, Dave, you are brought to us by Kinetic Skateboarding wow. in Wilmington, Delaware. So 
Um, that doesn't mean that you like kinetic skateboarding. It just means that it just means that we do. Kinetic skateboarding, your locally owned skateboard shop in Wilmington, Delaware, where you can get Vans, Converse, Nikes. You can't get anywhere else. Get nine point one percent off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. Welcome. Oh, and you're Dave too. Well, welcome to the pod. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Now, luckily for you, um, the first Sixers thing that we're going to talk about with you while you're on is, uh, you know, like, I, th I think we should ease you into it a little bit, but <laughs> we haven't even talked about Jimmy Butler yet. So you're going to get thrown right in the middle of the Jimmy oh, Butler boy. conversation. Oh, we boy. covered Shake Milton okay. pretty extensively. <laughs> right. Good. Glad to yeah. hear. I figured you'd start with that. Yeah. 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 I just want to say I'm a big Warren Drugs fan. That's oh, a true, killer. It's a true statement. I really like him. I was uh, listening to him as I was doing dishes yesterday. It was great. Killer. I'm a huge fan of the pod. I actually ha wasn't aware of the pod until r sort of recently, um, which I think is kind of a tragedy because I've been a Sixers fan for, for years now. And actually, Eliza Hardy-Jones and Andrew Jones hit me to it. They're like, you're not listening to this? What the heck is wrong with you? And I, I checked it out, and I was like, holy cow, where you guys been all my life? <laughs> oh, well, that is that is. I, I love the – somehow we've, we've like um, – between Eliza, Andrew, and Amos, and now you, like we've we've put our tentacles into very credible Philadelphia-based musicians, and that's very I did I never expected that, but that's that's exciting for me. Um, so you said you've been a Sixers fan for a while. Is this like a? I've noticed a lot. Does this like a go back to Iverson? type Sixers fan or Barkley type Sixers fan or is this a I came back during the process Sixers fan or where does that start for you? I think I actually kind of really became a Sixers fan during the process because the tickets were so cheap. Um, I, you know, I went to a bunch of games and I was actually really blown away by how fun the games were and how hard all these guys were playing, you know, in spite of, you know, basically having a stacked deck. And um, before that, I would have said that I was more of a, a fan of the NBA in general. Um, it was only um, when the process really kicked in that I, I really started identifying with the Sixers in particular. So, um, And then I think in the last few years, when the process sort of ripened, then I was just like, I, I really sort of uh, bought in deeper. And I think last year... Um, I knew I was a real deal Sixers fan because I kicked a coffee table in our green room while watching uh, one of the Boston playoff games uh, yeah. on my phone when Aaron Baines hit another corner three, mm -hmm. and I had a, a full-on tantrum. And I was like, wow, I think I'm a, a real deal fan now. <laughs> yeah, that, it, that really did. Uh, and we, I think we'll talk about that. I think that Celtic series uh, either – permanently damaged or solidified a lot of a lot of people in their Sixers mm -hmm. fan mm -hmm. um, was was a was there like a one specific like process era memory that you have that you, where you're like I'm in a very popular very cool band why am I watching <laughs> the, these guys right now um gosh I can't remember a, a specific moment I went to a bunch of games um, and I just I remember being like who's that who's who's that guy who's that guy and I, I mean i'm a pretty deep nba fan and not like knowing most of the guys on the court other than knowing them from like you know having seen them play for the sixers kind of just blew my mind that there was just this almost like bad news bears assortment of guys out on the court um 
playing for their lives, playing for their NBA lives. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just so much less depressing. It was the weird thing is that it was so much less depressing than follow. I grew up in uh, the DC area. It's so much less depressing than following like the Wizards slash Bullets. Yes, you know what I mean. And uh, that kind of dovetails into the Jimmy Butler thing because I think the thing that's so depressing about that experience is just the um, endless series of terrible contracts that sort of hang over the franchise, like the Gilbert Arenas deal and now the John Wall thing. Um, and during the whole process era, we've really managed to avoid any any albatross contracts. Um, so you know, no matter even we've had some swings and some misses with the Okafor pick and down the line, but we've managed to avoid the you know five years, two hundred million for a guy who's washed. Well, that does, <laughs> does dovetail. Certainly, certainly puts you in a puts you on the side in the. Uh, well, you know, I'm yeah. speaking hypothetically, but right, right, right that's right, my fear. Sure. Yeah, the, uh, the the it is amazing, and we'll we'll get to this after the Butler thing. But just the number of people that came, like you, you talked about watching the Sixers during the process era and being like, who are all these guys? And to us, in the middle of it, because we started right at the beginning, it never, I was aware, I guess I was aware of it intellectually, but it never felt that way when we were watching. But now, <clears throat> when I watch, uh, like, any bad team, uh, let's, the Hawks, for example, mm -hmm. or the Nets of the last couple of years, or even last night when that 45, whoever the fuck that little white Australian guy was running around shooting threes. Broke off. When I, when I watch the Hawks, I'm like, who are all these people? <laughs> and that was the Sixers for three yeah, entire years. For so long. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Mike, you want to move to the Butler thing and then circle back? Or do you want to, what do you want to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's go for it. I'm, okay. you know, are, are we into, we're, this is the Albatross discussion. Um, <laughs> so the news is, I'll, I'll set it up. The news is right. yesterday during the day, pregame, Way, way, way pregame, right? Yeah. Uh, what are you talking about when the, the report, the report, came, came, out, out, the report yeah. came out the day before? Oh, that was two days ago. Okay, so yeah, Woj. Yeah. Uh, Friday. Not a game day. Woj breaks the news that, that Jimmy Butler has already been uh, smarting about his role and uh, had a, a somewhat explosive conversation over film with Brett and around the team. But... Woj in the article was careful to note that Brett has talked to people within the organization and basically denied it's, uh, that it's a big deal. And then the Sixers held a press conference yesterday where there were two microphones and then one microphone got pulled away. Uh, and Brett went out there and basically said, yeah, it's no big deal. I've had, I've had issues with players before or like things that crossed the line and this wasn't that. Um, right. And, and he did, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to Brett's, and it wasn't, pre it was his normal pregame availability. They didn't, like, have a press conference for it, but they did remove that second mic. <laughs> um, and there were, I, th I thought there were other interesting comments that he made that uh, circle back to some older comments from Butler and Butler as a whole. Like, he did say everything that you said that he said, but he did go back and say, hey, we have, like, the number two ranked offense, and we've won more games than any team in the NBA since Christmas of 2017. And he said, uh, he did sneak in there twice that the numbers on Butler pick and rolls since he's been with the Sixers are not that great. Um, while saying that he needs to get more of them and saying, but it cannot come at the expense of 
Joel, and everyone's got to, like, his job is to create this harmony. Right. And the kind of offense that they run. The, like, free-flowing ball movement kind of thing. Right. And it's funny because Wednesday, when I start talking about trading Butler before the the deadline, and then this happens, here here is my, my... thought on this and it is it, it's amazing to me how many Sixers fans are like Woj is just trying to stir stuff up this didn't happen it's like we believe everything Woj says all the time except when we <laughs> don't like it um, I went back through and was reading it is startling how much the quotes from Brown look like the quotes from Hoiberg when Butler started acting up hey I want them to express themselves so on and so forth here is a quote from Jimmy Butler after he was traded. Um, That's what I was saying, that it was either, we're going to build the team around me for a little bit and allow me to distribute the basketball, ISO and pick and roll, or you go with Fred. Go up and down, shoot a lot of threes, that type of stuff. The spread type, kind of Golden State-esque, you know what I mean? They went that route, and that's all that I'm saying, and that's fine. And then you go back, and and these were the things that I outlined before they even traded for him, when I didn't want them to trade for him. When like, he called himself a point guard and there was stuff between him and Derrick Rose and he thought, like, my, my concern isn't that Jimmy Butler wants more pick and roll. We've been calling for it. I, I wanted to see it too. Like, it, it should be in there in the offense. The concern when I see things like this and, like, my general overall thing about Butler is that it appears as if he believes that that has to be the way they play all the time and the entire that he has to be the primary focus of the offense. And I do not believe that he is a good enough offensive player to be the primary focus. Like he's talking about like he's James Harden or something here. He's like a good passer, but not a great passer. He's um, he's like okay at creating space, but not great at creating space. Like the value in Jimmy Butler is that he's good at a lot of things and not particularly great at anything. And I just I I read this and. He had to, and by the way, like, I know for a fact this is not the only time that he's, like, had a bit of a meltdown since he's been with the Sixers. Like, I know that. Um, like, if he, he, he had to do, he had to, like, chill out for five months and get $200 million. That's all he had to do is chill out, integrate himself into the team for five months, get $200 million. He can't do it. And I, I just... I run it over and over and over and over in my head. And Dave, to your point um, about this contract. And I said to myself, if, I, if we give him that contract and I simulate the NBA for the next five years, 100 times, how many times does that end up with the Sixers winning a championship? And I keep coming back with like zero. <laughs> and And... Like that is is my concern is that if if I were a betting man, th- this does not end well. And Dave, I don't I don't like I don't know where you I know that that's the concern. I don't know where you fall on what you think will happen, but where that that's uh, that's obviously like part of the concern. What is it like a, a, a tiny worry to you, or is it a I think this is going to happen worry to you? Um, it's a bigger than tiny worry. <laughs> um. And there's something to be said for some kind of conflict in the locker room actually being good. You can see that with like Draymond Green and Steve Kerr. Um, you don't always want like a happy-go-lucky, super copacetic group of guys 
it's okay to have guys sort of, um, you know, advocating for themselves and wanting to touch the ball more. But at some point, you have to look at Jimmy's track record um, and start to worry that he's a a cancer, the C word. Um, and even even more than that, I worry what happens when his play declines a little bit. Because it's one thing if he's a an elite player on both sides of the ball and he's a little bit cantankerous. That can be almost like a charming quality of, of a star player. But if he's if he's not a star player anymore and he's declining severely, I think that kind of uh, then it becomes very toxic, you know. So it, it's a concern. Allow me to Where be at, yeah. the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Just to balance it out. Let's hear it. Let's see if I can pull it off. Isn't there, Spike, you always talk about as in your role as tea leaves guy, mm-hmm. like why stories get leaked, who leaked to, whether it's a national guy or a one of the local guys. Mm-hmm. This This story in particular, who had the motivation to leak this and... Uh, I guess why, and also, if if everyone's looking for something, like, mm-hmm. isn't the first uh, nearly the first evidence of anything happening? It's going to become well. Here we are again. Rather than if like on the Hornets, if like Kemba has a frustrating film session, no one's going to like report that because right, he's you're not already you're predisposed to believe it. Can I comment on the tea leaves thing? Please. I've worked through this, obviously. So everyone tried to work through this, try to, who was it? Who does it really benefit amongst the key players? Key players being Simmons, Embiid, Brett, Jimmy himself, um, front office, I guess. I don't think it benefits any of those people, really. I, I I don't get the sense that Embiid is out on Butler. I don't get the sense that Simmons is out on Butler, given like who I've talked to. So then um, someone theorized to me, hey, wasn't Markel out there with them for that film session? And isn't his agent like a direct line to Woj? So obviously his agent is a direct line to Woj, but I found out that Markel was not in that particular film session, so he wasn't there. Look at you like hooked up, (laughs) saying things you found out. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, I, I know, I know like for some reason everyone thinks like every opinion I have is some sort of like fucking scorching take, but I'm, I'm just trying to get as much information as I can before I like lay out there. So I think what it comes down to and what is possible is these, these group, this, this film session, this is not like a, a two person meeting that, you know, you can really whittle down who, who did it. And sometimes people talk just because they like talking. Sure. You know, like there's a reason that secrets don't say secrets usually is because everyone likes telling somebody. So here you have this film session where it is every player, uh, the coach, the assistant coaches, maybe there's a film guy in there. Maybe there's a, a person in the bill. Who, the, who knows who's in there? But I think it could be something as innocuous as a low level. Per, I don't even know if I use that word right there. A low level person there or like... There's other vets on this team that might be like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, it's also not impossible that it was it was leaked by somebody who just doesn't like his act, uh, whether it be um, 
JJ or Chandler or uh, Mascala or somebody who just mentioned it to, remember they were out there and that's where Ramona Shelbourne is. So they could have said, you should have seen this the other day. I think, I think once you back off of the, the source of the leak being any of the key players, like whether it's trying to drive his value down or that seems very risky and stupid yeah it it doesn't seem like it works for anybody like what really works here is everything working because the sixers are now in a position where they'll probably have to pay that five-year deal to keep him anyway so they don't want to look bad doing it at the very least so i don't think it's any of those people and once you get beyond that then i don't think the source of it really matters anymore i think what matters is what happened and i know brett can say can truly believe that um this is the converse, this is the way he he talks to me but i don't think it's the only time it happened and i i think whether it's okay with brett it is is part of how important it is but how it's perceived by everyone around brett is as important because if one guy and and dave you made the point like if he's really really good he can be cantankerous but if he's not as good all of a sudden it's just like sort of annoying Somebody was like, is he going to get Brett fired? And my point is, like, he is not good enough to get Brett fired. He, the, the, the guys that get coaches, like, he couldn't even get Fred Hoiberg fired. Um, <laughs> he, he's not getting Brett Brown fired. They just put Brett Brown in charge of everything. So I don't think Brett Brown's getting fired because of Jimmy Butler until they sign him to that deal and the damage has been done. So um, I'm sorry, that's a long answer. I guess my, my point is, I think it is... Like how everyone else perceives the relationship between Butler and Brett, if they perceive Brett as weak and letting Butler get away with things that are disrespectful and and prevent the team from getting better, then I think that could be a problem, you know, whether it's a problem to Brett specifically or not. Yeah, I I wonder if like Dave, do you think it matters that this came out via whoever it came out? from and not like Jimmy Butler is going to the press to complain about his role mm. in pick and rolls. Is there any chance Jimmy Butler did it was the leaker? No, I think what happened was Jimmy if you want to find the Jimmy Butler leak, you can go to Keith Pompey's article today um basically titled Jimmy Butler was right in what he was complaining about. Mm. Um with sources close to the situation talking about Joel Embiid also fighting with an assistant coach and Jimmy Butler needing more pick and rolls. So I, I, I don't know that um, it was the way it was framed makes it seem like if he's the leak, it would have cert- if I'm the reporter and Butler or his person come to me with that leak, that the condition of that leak is that Butler is painted in a positive light not in the light of a, a maniac, which is sort right. of how he was painted. So I don't think that's possible. Is it possible that this kind of stuff just leaks out all the time and we just don't care? But this is a case where the pump has been primed, so to speak, and the, you know the, the public is just sort of salivating for any kind of salacious Jimmy Butler's a, a dick news? Yes. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but it, like... To your point earlier, it's happened in every place that he's been. Yeah, sure. And at a certain point, it can, it can be everybody else, and it can be the press, but but it also could be him. Yeah. And if 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 you were a Mike, if like the the point being, if you were a casual observer of this, 
and you you weren't in it like we were. And you looked and you're like, okay, well, Jimmy Butler like like was a problem with two separate locker rooms in Chicago, and rather than build around him at 26 or 27 years old, they decided to trade him. And then in Minnesota, he was such a problem that even though the coach wanted to keep him desperately, they traded him. Um, and there was that whole practice story. And then this comes out, like a casual observer goes, oh, he's just, he's doing it again. And I think sometimes the most, the simplest, isn't like, isn't the simplest um, explanation for this, the most logical. Um, probably. If we're, yeah. Probably, yes. But I, I do, I feel like the, to be, uh, to play devil's advocate, none of that necessarily precludes them from uh, playing great with one another. You know what I mean? Like mm. this could all be true. Jimmy could be a dick. He could be, you know, almost like a toxic locker room presence, but he could also have a great effect on the team. You know, it almost seemed like his effect on the, on the wolves was like proportional to his dickish behavior. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of inversely proportional. So, um, you know, and this is all just an audition too. I mean, it's crazy that this is happening now. Like, like you said, Spike, you know, all he has to do is sort of, you know, keep his head down for a few months and sign a, ma a massive deal. And it doesn't seem possible. So, yeah, I, I wonder if there's a, if there is a like very established veteran type guy. And I guess I'm thinking of Vince Carter specifically, if they can bring somebody in that, that would have the clout to, like not like make everything cool and also not demand like need the ball in his own right <laughs> on wednesday night's pod that guy was jimmy butler to you i know well that's what i was thinking jimmy butler <laughs> what if I, I said jimmy butler maybe the glue to bring and beat and simmons together in the off season yeah. maybe he's the glue in the sense that like they don't want either of that neither of them want the glue and so they go and like it's like uh a common enemy situation. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, man. I want everybody to get along. I, I like it when teams are having a good time and happy. They, this team can never trade TJ. He's going to sign a 40-year deal. They desperately he likes it. He, get, he, gets, he gets along with everybody. Like, I know. He's, like, he's the Jimmy guy, the Embiid guy. The, uh, it's crazy. I also, um, think, I also think that that's part of the reason why Demetrius Jackson is still here is because they're like, is, is, a, is us signing a... a to a possible two-way wing that's undisciplined that you know is still growing whatever is that going to make so much of a difference right now that you know keeping if Demetrius Jackson is liked by everybody when he when Ben threw him that that alley-oop everybody was so excited it was like is that the kind of it's like we just gotta hold on to the guys that people like boy I'm gonna ask you both if tomorrow the Miami Heat called and said, we will give you Josh Richardson and Kelly Olenek for Jimmy Butler. Would you take it? Dave. Yes. Mike. I don't love the Olenek thing, but I... Well, you got match. Josh Richardson. I would find somebody else to match. Josh Richardson, because of his contract, this would be great. Um, yeah, I'd, I, I like Josh Richardson a lot. I'd probably say yes. What about those four first? I wonder if Daryl Morey <laughs> still has those four first round picks. <laughs> that was, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to end, but I, I, it doesn't. Oh, let me pivot actually to a, because I, I had like a music scenario question to ask Dave about the Butler thing. 
um, that I feel like you, you may be um, particularly qualified to answer. All right. So when thinking about a basketball team and thinking about bands, mm-hmm. right? like I'm 42, I grew up watching, listening to like 80s bands basically. But like thinking about bands and thinking about basketball teams, even though, even if there are five uber talented people in the band, like the, the and, and like with a basketball team, the creative vision for most, like usually revolves around a couple of people at least uh, in real world, but also in like perception as well, which sometimes is as important as what it's like in the real world. Uh, from Paul and John Lennon to Slash and Axel to whatever, you know. Um, so I think about War on Drugs and like so much of that um, publicly revolves around Adam. And how much, how important it is, is it for you to have something like Nightlands, which revolves around you, um, and how difficult is it, at least publicly, when so much of the conversation about war on drugs that you've been a part of for such a long time <clears throat> revolves around somebody else? And like, how do you see that, I guess, relating to what guys might go through, like what the Sixers are going through now in like key guys trying to split credit and, and you know, front man space and all that kind of stuff. I love this question because it basically gets to the core of why I love basketball. And there are, there's like no end to the amount of analogies you can make between band dynamics and uh, team dynamics. I mean, just, you know, the five guys, it just, even like numerically it works. And um, so to your question, I think um, the the fact that Adam is the prime mover of the band, which is accurate too. It is portrayed that way in the media, but it's also accurate. I mean, he's he's a very it's like a totalitarian thing, you know. He's he writes all the songs and he, you know, runs all the business operations. He's very hands on in like all aspects, but he also um, is really loyal to his band and you know likes us to feel involved and feel valued. Um, but I do think the fact that it's you know we sort of are supporting players has allowed the band to survive much longer than a lot of our contemporaries you know when we started out 13 years ago um a lot of most of the bands we were touring with are long gone by now and most of those bands were more democratic i think you know they were trying to figure out how to share the ball so to speak um there's never that question with us, you know, there's no, there's never a question of who's going to have the ball in the last 10 seconds of, a, of the fourth quarter. Um, and it just makes it so much easier with, with our, with our dynamics. Um, you know, having said that a lot of the best bands ever were democracies. Um, like U2 is famous, famously a democracy. Fleetwood Mac is famously a democracy, so it can work, but a lot of those bands had some really tumultuous, um, band dynamics too so um does that sort of am i getting to your question there a little bit yeah i mean i think yeah. i think it's a cool answer i i just wish that now i want to see like uh democratic bands try to cover or go guard uh totalitarian <laughs> bands right and see if like you know <laughs> would you be well, able to like hang <laughs> against uh you know some other well <laughs> 
I'm right. trying to think of an the, example of everything seems offensive. I'm not gonna I mean, say. But, the, but the truth is, is that like the democratic version of basketball is like the Hawks from a few years ago. Right. And, and, and the, um, you look at the current Celtics almost, and the, mm-hmm. the problem there is that they're too talented to be democratic almost. You would maybe on some level, like maybe that's the problem that if, if every player was 20% less good or thought they were 20% less good, they might be more like the Hawks. But you would also say that those Hawks can only be so good and that so I guess the, the question is, is like, is the, would the problem with the Sixers be that it should be a situation in which uh, Embiid is Adam and um, everything, it is, the, the focus is him and everyone, as long as they know for sure that the focus is him, right. then they can do better t- to create a better band or, or is the problem that they all think that they're Adam? Just surround them with bassists. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> this is that's great. good. Um, how do we think the Butler thing ends? Uh, Mike, Dave, then me. Oh, I'm not, first. Not, I'm Mike. I'm the Mike part. Um, yeah, not 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 do they win a championship? But like like after this off season, what is the is is Jimmy Butler on the Sixers and what is his contract? Yeah, I think they give him the five year max. And I also want to dis- dispute the idea that mm-hmm. if you run this through a simulation five hundred times, there there absolutely are ver- versions where they win a title. A hundred percent, there are versions mm-hmm. where you win a title. The, okay. These guys are three of the top again top twenty five players in the league. Ben and Joel are still early in their careers where they could get markedly better. Um, mm-hmm. It takes time for an off se- like you know they haven't had an off season to like work it out whether it's them or Brett or the coaching staff or anybody, and again I do think that with a more competent and healthy bench where they're not having six guys who aren't playing, uh, there's a chance you know you put Toronto's bench on there which could happen if Jonah develops if Zaire ever plays if Markel either plays or they trade him for something of value. We have more picks this year. Like it's you know, there's a world where that that becomes a strength rather than a, a, a forever weakness. But yeah, Dave? I think I think he stays. No, oh. I'm oh, sorry, Dave. Yeah, I think he stays. I think partially just because it would be, uh, you know, because of the sunk cost calculations of of trading to your best rotation guys for a guy, and then and then you just let him walk. I think they'll. I mean, my hope, and I'm sure their hope, is that they can give him four years instead of five years. Um, I don't know if that's if that can happen or not. Um, and I do actually agree with Mike too that there are worlds, parallel worlds where we do win a championship. Even this year, I mean, I know that sounds crazy because I don't think we're truly one of the elite teams yet. But the season is still pretty young, um, and also you see in the playoffs, teams with depth don't. You know, the depth doesn't really matter as much in the playoffs, guys. You know, all the teams shorten their rotation so much and it's much more about who are your best guys and who which you know the team with the best two or three players almost always wins um and i think that that calculus favors us in a lot of series um that potential uh eastern conference series is um so uh you know i do think there's a possibility you know there's also certainly a trade or, or a buyout pickup to happen we obviously you guys have talked about this a ton and it's just it's all i think whenever i watch the games is is just God. We need like a couple more guys, um, and a lot of that's just because we've uh, 
struck out. It seems like, you know, just if you look at the history of these of the moves over the past like five or six years, it's like home run, strike out, strike out, strike out, home run, home run, strike out. Stri- yeah. You know what I mean? It's Adam like Dunn we, just, over here. we just need some <laughs> yeah. doubles, you know, like instead of the Okafor yeah. and the Noel and the Fultz and now Zaire, we just need some some bodies. So, um, you know, if, if Elton Brand can manufacture something, I think the the league is more wide open than it's been in probably five or six years. It just sort of feels like the eras are shifting right now. LeBron, the LeBron era feels like it's kind of waning, and the Warriors era feels like it's waning. So you know, so that's when sometimes you, that's when you see the surprise champions, sort of the the, the Pistons or the Mavs, kind of slip in there. The Rockets, grab one. the Rockets back. Yep, exactly. I wouldn't mind so, a few, a two, two like a back to back in between eras. Yeah, championship. That'd yeah. be nice. Yeah, yeah I could go I, for that. That's what the Eagles are doing guess. right now. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, my guess would be that they give them give them five one ninety. But I, I truly believe that that will be an ownership decision. Like I, I, I don't know this right, but I, I just I am not sure. When we did our New Year's resolutions, mine was like let Elton do his job, and I am not sure. That Elton would give him five one ninety, I'm just not sure that that would happen. I don't know what Brett would do, but I'm not sure that Elton would. But I don't think I think ownership looks at the 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 value of competing now, and also with their, you know, vision of what the franchise is going to accomplish at least financially for the next few years. And I I think it'll happen. Um, so I hope he. I hope he realizes that a, a an offense like based on Jimmy Butler does not win a champion, and Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler alone does not win a championship. Um, I hope he realizes that, and I hope he he enjoys being on a good team more than he bees, enjoys on being on a, a good team that Jimmy Butler is the best player on. So, um, I know we had uh, another couple of things we wanted to talk to Dave about before we do. We have to talk about our other sponsor for this episode. That is Cornblow and Cornblow the official law firm of the process, Adam Cornblow, who is the small ball five um, of personal injury. Incredibly lawyers. small ball five. Yes, very small ball five, <laughs> surrounded, by the way, by other Cornblows, which is really just the, he's turning it over on its head. He wants a, a team of all small ball fives, like Justice Winslow, just all Justice Winslow. Um, so they are, they have been around since the 80s where Adam's parents started the, uh, the law firm. And now it is Adam and his mom um, that run the law firm now that his dad passed away. They have gotten some of the biggest results from medical malpractice in the Delaware Valley and uh, can handle all, st- all sorts of personal injury. Anything that happens to you, car accident, slip and fall, injured at work, whatever it is, Adam's the guy. We've gotten so many emails, DMs. Uh, whatever people that have dealt with Adam, just how quickly he responds, that it's always him that responds. It isn't some referral service, um, whether it's a Sunday night or a Friday night, and how much he demands to talk about the Sixers before, even if you're injured. Um, He has his priorities. Number one, the Sixers. Number two, uh, your case. But it is a very high number two. Um, he's going to give you that sort of personal attention and get you the best result you can. If you think you might have a case, give him a call or shoot him an email. It doesn't cost you anything. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam or email cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Um, 
Mike, you're, you're th- Mike had said when we were talking about this, um, you know, based on sort of what we were talking about last uh, last pod about, you know, the team is mentioned to me. Team's good now. Three stars. Um, you know, uh, the process got us what it was supposed to get us, at least in a in in some ways. And here here is this team with the second or third best record in all of the league, and it doesn't quite feel. Um, as fun as, like, it, we are not having the same sort of fun that it seems like we were having five years ago. And I think, Dave, your, um, your, your journey with the Sixers having become a fan at that time is probably an interesting uh, question regarding that. Um, I would say, is, is this as fun to you with their... If, if you had told uh, five years ago, Dave, that the Sixers will have... Probably the best center in the league. Um, describe what Ben Simmons and Jimmy <laughs> Butler, and they would be twenty six and fourteen. But everybody would be fighting every day about the Sixers. Like, what would your reaction have been? Oh man, my mind would have been completely blown. Um, yeah, that's such an interesting question. Why isn't it more fun? I think it's probably two things. The first being the sort of the darkness that I described in from some of those swings and misses. The darkness from the faults. Uh, situation, the like muted darkness of the Zaire situation, um, and then sort of some of the swings and misses with past picks and stuff like that. So I think there's like this tacit implication, like, wow, they're really good, but imagine how good they would be if blank. So I think on that, on one hand, it's that on the other hand, I, I think part of the reason it's not more fun is because it's weird. It was like, we went from being the the process era upstart uh, bad news bears to in, overnight the media declared them to be contenders you know went on that 16 game winning streak and i went to a bunch of those games actually and it was just such a heady time but at the end of that streak going into the playoffs we were you know favorites to come out of the east or whatever and there was just never any point to like sort of enjoy the ascent it was just sort of like the media flipped this switch into now, you know, and just sort of hoisted all these expectations onto our collective backs. So we went from like, you know, process to the, the heaviness of those expectations. So, um, that, I think that's why it's not, it's still pretty dang fun though. I, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, and even during that 16 game win streak into the playoffs, like it was still what's happening with Markel. Oh, now mm-hmm. Embiid's face is broken. Like there, even then, it was weird, and we and then he hadn't even gotten to the Colangelo stuff yet, so it was just. I mean, we've just never been able to. Mike Weber texted me yesterday, being like, "Can we just ever have one like enjoyable, drama-free week?" And it's like, no, we just never will. There's too many weird things that go on around this team or organization or whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but like you, if you. You line them all up and you look at how, how many things have happened to the Sixers in just the last six months, even without the, you know, taking away the process thing and how they were like the focal point of sports for years, uh, not as long as people would like to believe. Um, but it's just like, it's, it's, it's chaotic, it's psychotic that it's, that so many things have happened. And I don't, and they keep happening. We're still in it. I mean, I remember being bored by the like 06 to 2012 Sixers and like no one ever talking about them and no one considering them because they were a waste of time. 
And now I'm like, you know, a little bit of that. We can find a middle ground. Would be nice. But it was boring two weeks ago, and we were like, oh, we're talking so much about basketball. I liked it. And then this happened. Yeah. Let me talk about cuts. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I think expectations, for me, expectations change everything. Um, they, they like just doing something for fun as opposed to this now has to be good or we're wasting our time. It just, it changes everything. And I, for me, and I, I, I like I, this won't be surprising to anybody, but, um, like I, I still in a lot of ways have not recovered from the hinky thing. Um, in that what I've, I've like, my, my enjoyment of sports and particularly the Sixers has, has changed in that it is more important to me that they do the correct thing than them actually winning. And I know that sounds perverse. I, like that doesn't seem to make any sense. But um, like when you cheer for a team, like a sports team, really it's just a business that happens to be in the town that you are. That's it. And, and like why you end up... Um, being a customer of a business is either you really like their product or you believe in they why they do what they do you know it's a good good company that contributes to the community and so on and so forth and like i just for me it is less about them winning um and more about i'm investing all this time i would rather you make decisions that i like i find to be uh, correct and and like pointing back to an actual plan and there's been so little of that since he went away um, that it makes it hard for me to be attached um, like like part of why I like the guys is that they were attached to a decision like they were detached they were attached to an ethos and now no one seems really attached to any particular decision or ethos aside from like this guy was available and it makes it harder for me to enjoy wins. It makes it harder for me to be frustrated by losses. And it makes it, it makes, it makes my personal focus on the decisions they're making and why they're making them greater, which makes it harder for me to have fun doing. Would if they, if the owners sold, sold the team to people that we've never heard of before, um, but generally kept the Elton Brett, you know, Colangelo guys, around would that satisfy you i i think we it, it's look most owners are owners you know like there's very even the owners that care a lot from like dan daniel snyder right maybe one of the worst owners in all of the nfl he cares a lot like about whether they're good or not cares a lot but he's just really bad at it probably cares too much i i have as, as you know, well know, I, I like Elton Brand and I want Elton Brand to succeed and, and uh, am open to the, the possibility of him being good at this. We've always been Brett supporters. I have no problem with Brett. Um, most of the current front office guys are, most of them are sort of like faceless or at least I, I don't know enough about whose decision is what to know what I think of them as, you know, basketball, it, not as people, but as basketball decision makers. I guess I just want to see, I want to know like what the plan is and I want to know what they're doing to fulfill it. Because I think too many times the process, and even like TJ's, the process is over, like article, 
too many times the process is is like I think talked about in terms of like the the star the that part of it, but the like the the actual first two and a half years or whatever of like let's get enough draft picks to get a guy, but it was supposed to be like a uh, a system in which um, you are always regenerating and always uh, making the right decision. Though the, the the reasons for those decisions might change and your position might change, you can always like look at it and say this is defensible because this is what we were doing here, and you know like. Just because one guy goes away, um, you know, look at the Spurs. And, and now at this point, you can look at the Spurs and as much as they have cycled through it, they're still able to stay successful. That is because they do that. Like they have lost Tim Duncan, one of the top 10 players of all time, best player in the history of the franchise. Kawhi Leonard, maybe one of the five best players in the NBA. Uh, Parker, Ginobili, like they've cycled through all of that. They lost their point guard this year and they traded... Um, they traded Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan, who, who I think like all of us are like, well, I wouldn't pay that guy $30 million. And all of a sudden they have like the fifth ranked offense in the NBA. They've won 10 out of their last 12 games. They're going to be in the playoffs that like they're doing it with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, who both take the, the, the shots that nobody wants to take. And, and they do it because of all of the decisions and the drafting and the so on and so forth. And I just want that. Um, and so if they sold the team, I don't know. I, I just, I know that I want to see decision-making that is more in line with what I think um, makes sense to keep the team viable for a long period of time. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I think too analytically about all of it now. Like the, the process was a weird thing to go through and then just go back to like having a team. Right. Like, oh, now they're trying to win. It's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, isn't, isn't the like ethos right now, hey, we got, we drafted two uh, generational superstars and we traded our role players that we also developed for another one. And isn't, isn't it, just like a, all right, let's, you know, it takes time to make it work together and just have everybody blend in. And also, you know, what we've said about needing more depth. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's like El- Elton doesn't have the, there's not like, I would love to see some 10 day contracts where we can be like, okay, this is what they're looking for. They, they recognize the need and that kind of thing. And, and this is the kind of way that Brett wants to play. So he's getting these kinds of guys to, to supplement that. But it's not, it isn't like we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're trading, uh, 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 getting a trade exception um, and JaVale McGee and a, a first round pick just to eat a salary. You know, it's a different that, kind of thing. I got to say that LeBron, first of all, I, I think there's a lot of people that have a hand in decision making for the Sixers right now. And I think that's tough. You know, it's tough to have a cohesive plan when there's not one person in charge. Um, and I, I think that's probably going on right now. But like I look back at the LeBron thing, like what a phenomenal waste of time that was. And everybody knew, like everybody knew. How did everybody know that he was going to the Lakers a year before? Like everyone talked about it. And, and he, how did they punt on free agency, on everybody to get a meeting with like maybe Rich Paul? I don't know, it just, I look at that and I'm like, well, it's the same 
like people around. <laughs> and and I, uh, yes, to your, your, your question, they have these three guys, yes. But to, also to your question, like, okay, like let's, the next six months are going to be, like regardless of what happens with them in the playoffs, are going to be very, very telling in what they're able to do. I think it'll come, it'll come down to that. We just don't know anything about the front office right now, right? I mean, it seems they haven't really done anything. Um, I will say that I feel like that Zaire trade during the draft was very much in line with this ethos you're talking yep. about, yeah. Spike, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. it's more of a lack of moves that seems like that you're uh, lamenting. And we, we also got, I mean, think about the number of moves that happened during the Hinky era. Like, <laughs> like it was all the time. I loved it. We had like seven, we went through a hundred players in three years. It was years. really made for me. 100. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. Even players that were never on the, you know, on the team. Uh, Joel Anthony, like he was kind of a sixer for a day. Yeah, cost us to car. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, well, uh, like, Dave, I, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, this has been a, a very Sixer-centric discussion instead of a music-centric discussion. Were you expecting that? Oh, yeah. Or I was hoping for that. Could you – we have a, a segment on the podcast called uh, Jorge Gu- Gutierrez uh, Recommendation Corner mm-hmm. where Mike or I, you know, recommend something. Mike did movies last time. I did music. Obviously, we would say that everybody should listen to The War on Drugs and Nightlands. I really enjoy the uh, sort of like uh, laid-back beach music vibe of Nightlands, by the way. Oh, thank the, you. Appreciate it. Uh, this will be an odd comparison, but as a – a guy who thinks that Boston is like underrated, mm-hmm. the, the the band, not the, the city, the amount of like, or the team. <laughs> yes, the, the city is horrible. The band, I think, is actually underrated. Like the vocal stuff, yeah, it, is so uh, like sort of surrounds you mm-hmm. in a way that I think, is, in a less sort of like in your face power way that Boston did, I think is really really good. Thanks. Um, but do you have uh, do you have anything you'd like to recommend to anybody? Um, movies, music. Mm. You know, I just saw the movie The Favorite um, down at the Ritz yeah. last week, and it was, and it's really not the kind of movie I would normally see. It's a period piece, sort of, uh, you know, uh, Victorian era royalty uh, scheming, and I didn't expect to love it, but I loved it. So I'd recommend The, the Favorite. It's the same director as The Is Lobster. The f- the guy directed last Yeah, the Yorgamos Lanthimos. And uh, if uh, on the pod, I think last year around this time is when I uh, talked about killing of a sacred deer on the pod. Sure. And like, yeah, I watched it on a plane, which horrified me. <laughs> uh, but I really liked it. But it was funny. He came out with a new movie and I saw that it was a period piece and I hate period yeah, pieces. Yeah, I hate period I, pieces. It's really good. Okay, cool. Um, are you playing anywhere? Are you just hanging out or what's the deal? Um, we are done for a while. We're, we're recording uh, a new record. So we have probably a year or so of no gigs and just uh, doing some sessions. I'll be working on a new Nightlands record. Um, I just had a baby, so I'll be oh. working. Uh, oh, being a dad. And, Any uh, Sixers related middle name or anything to give us a nice No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I wish I, I'd thought of that actually. Middle name Roten. Sure, yeah. yeah. Beautiful stuff. Jakar. Jakar. Uh, <laughs> so lovely for a girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we're just, uh, it's kind of a nice, I'll be watching a lot more hoops. It's hard to watch basketball sometimes when 
you're flying around yeah different time zones and such have with the with you know like blackouts um and have, you know you can't stream in other countries for some reason i haven't figured a workaround for that i'm sure there's a ton of workarounds but um so it's nice to just be home i hope to go to a bunch of games as well have you uh rang the bell no i have not i would love to do that i've 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 been i've been in the bowels of the wells fargo a few times and and uh met some of the dudes but um but i have not that feels i was like there when me i was there when meek rang the bell oh, though, that's cool. last uh last year that's pretty good that feels like you guys somebody's got to make that happen um yeah I think- philly loves you know philly centric bands obviously I want to play the national anthem on a fretless bass. That's really what well, I was going to ask. Are, what are the odds of uh, One Drugs or Nightlands covering Ten Nine Eight Seventy Sixers? God, should do that. Why not? I fucking hate that song. Really? Oh, I love it. I hate I love it. it. Oh man, it's so. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> and I really enjoy uh, Jim Adair's series. If you guys haven't seen it, on uh, setting Ten Nine Eight Seventy Six Sixers to uh, like popular movie music moments. Um, some really really good stuff in there it's a great song it's like very it's iconic it's, it's as if the Sixers need more reasons to be unique it's the only they, they, they start playing the music during the game and it's such a taunting thing I love it um, well Dave you join only two previous music guests Amos Lee and, and Mutlu in, uh, and Mutlu only joined us as uh, Tommy from Down the Shore as a member of the Hoagie Hour, so uh, as our uh, as a a musical guest. So I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so um, much for having me, guys. It's a real pleasure. I'm gonna go work on that fretless bass uh, national anthem thing. Yeah, see if you um, can make that happen. Yeah, I'll, I'll, well, you got time now, so I'll I'll yeah, work on it. I'll start practicing. Um, Thank you, man. Legitimately, thanks, man. Lost in the Dream, one of my favorite albums ever. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate, appreciate it. it, bud. Thanks, Dave. All right. Bye. Uh, well, that's it. That was a long pod. I still have a couple uh, notes. I forgot oh, that Jonah God. Bolden was a rookie. Okay. Uh, Did you? I legitimately forgot play. that yesterday. I was watching the game. Yeah. I think Zuma or something said something about it, or Allah <laughs> said something about his rookie season, and I was like, this isn't his rookie season. It feels like he's been here for decades. But this is his, this is his rookie year. So I saw oh, him two summer leagues. I'd love league. to see him in the All-Star weekend. Um, oh god I'd love to see him all star I don't think yeah. so um, blocking shots missing threes that's right um, <laughs> <laughs> he looked good last night yeah he did yeah you, you missed the Joel, Jonah you missed the Shake Melton and Jonah Bolton uh, yeah we got, we got to that right away we give the people what they want <laughs> and I would also say the interesting I find it interesting that Ben is clearly better and more comfortable shooting turnarounds than he does stepping into something and yep. I wonder in a very Mark Health kind right. of way. And, and Brett was talking about this is great. Let's I want to see him shoot corner threes. And I would love I mean if, if we can get if we if he shoots a corner three this year, I w- would be very very happy. Had, would, what are the odds on, on him shooting a corner three this year? Not at the end of the mm. shot clock. I am putting it at even money. Yeah, I would say even as well. Yeah. Seems like he's I, getting his confidence up there. And and that that first jumper that he took, like the sort of standstill one, he was a step away from it. He was a step away from a corner three. Um, I think he's just making us wait. I want one off the catch. Um, not not a, not a dribble into it. I want I want a swing, like a TJ esque. Just like take your time, step into it. He, there you go. The problem is, is that when he gets another swing, his immediate instinct yes. is to drive. Yeah. 
is immediately yeah. six. My theory with his his jumper thing is that <coughs> he he always looks like he's playing more under control than almost any player, maybe other than LeBron, which I think sparks some of those LeBron comparisons. Mm-hmm. He just plays, he looks like he's running at like 60% of his top speed, which is still really fast because he's incredibly athletic. But I feel like his game is so predicated on control, and I think he just only wants to engage in uh, you know, things that he knows he can, he, I think he's a control freak. I think he only wants to do things that he knows he's good at. I think it like sort of flies in the face of his uh, obsession with control to take a jumper that he, you know, knows is sort of uh, flailing at going in. Um, I don't know anything about his like, you know, personal hygiene habits or anything, but I, Very clean. he just, he strikes me as like incredibly well manicured. And, uh, I think that, you know, I think it just kind of, he just doesn't want to do something he's not insanely good at. And that's why he doesn't do it psychologically. I empathize. <laughs> oh God. All right. We're, that's it. Do you have any other news and notes? No, uh, I got a couple things. I'll save them for next pod. Can't give them all at once. Okay. All right. Uh, all right, that's it. You done with TTP? Yeah. You know, like face. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on the Minnesota.